Welcome back, everybody, to Rerun Shuffle, the show where we explore society one rewatch at a time. That's, I believe, now the third iteration of our slogan. It's, I, I don't know. I thought I, it was more than that. I think, I think that, I think this one might be the one that sticks, though. I, I, I like this one. Yeah, this I one's like pretty this good. One a lot. It's, it's snappy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you're wondering who I am, in case you're maybe listening to us for the first time. Uh, my name is Tim Nacy. I am a person with no title. This is usually the point where I tell you that I am the multimedia editor at Viewpoints, but I no longer have that role. Uh, Viewpoints is the the school newspaper of Riverside City College. Um, I was the multimedia editor there. I kind of handled podcasts. There weren't too many of them, but um, mm. I know there's one going now, and mm. I haven't had a chance to listen, but I'll have to give it a chance. Maybe that's a future guest for the for this podcast. Yeah, maybe. I'm really glad that they're keeping up something. But uh, but yeah, so right now I am a, I am a person with no name. Um, we are recording like 15 minutes away from the uh, from the from where we recorded before, yeah. if even 15 minutes. I don't know. Jesus. I'm like I'm like all, <laughs> all off. I don't know how I'm gonna edit this. Just let it out. Let it flow. Let it just vomit out of you. We're like two minutes in, and I'm already going off the rails. We haven't podcasted in a while, everybody. Um, I should just be quiet now and let my co-host introduce themselves. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Oh my gosh, I'm scared and rusty. Uh, hello everyone, I'm Leo Cabral, and I also don't have a title aside from, you know, cool little cryptid guy, creature of the night. Um, yeah, as uh, my wonderful host Tim was saying, we started this uh, at Viewpoints, and where I was formerly the editor-in-chief, managing editor, and also had various roles. So yeah, now we are branching off, so that should be fun. Um, so if you're just catching up with us for the first time, um, you may have noticed that there are about eh, close to 30 episodes. I yeah. actually I actually um, didn't write down the episode number on this one, <laughs> just because I, I, I was trying to get the outline written. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we have at least the better part of 30 episodes um, already on file that you can listen to. Uh, but for now, uh, this is the first episode of our new iteration uh, where we're operating solo and uh, we can curse now. Yes! <laughs> Wait, fuck yes! yet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so welcome back, everyone, or just welcome. Um, no matter how you found us, I think we both just want to say thank you for giving a podcast by two non-celebrities a chance. Uh, there's not necessarily anything wrong with all the podcasts that are done by celebrities, especially TV celebrities. Um, but I think we can all agree that, you know, the, the, the space is getting a little bit crowded. Oh, you don't Because say. every single show that has even, like, the slightest bit of nostalgia factor two or three cast members from that show are doing a rewatch of it. Yeah. Which is a cool thing. I do like Office Ladies. I like Parks and Recollection. Mm-hmm. I know there's a psych one now that I'm excited to check out one day. Some um, podcasts actually do that, too. I know Welcome to Nightville has a rewatch podcast as well. Or we, I should say re-listen podcast. So, yeah, um, lots of people are doing lots of podcasts, podcast stuff. It gets, yeah, just every every celebrity, every comedian gets a podcast, and it gets kind of hard for people who are just starting out mm-hmm. to be heard. So if you're here, we love you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, just a quick rundown of what we do here. Um, we were talking about TV we watched a second ago. That's what this is, uh, except instead of picking one show, we do many. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, the shuffle part of our title. Uh, we rewatch older episodes of TV shows. That can be anywhere between the dawn of television and the last completed year. And uh, we discuss how they work or don't work in terms of their society 
societal and, uh, and social ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all to answer one simple question, though. Does it hold up? So usually we like to start off by just discussing a little bit of uh, what we're watching. Uh, Leo, you want to start us off on that? Yeah. I ha- it's, So it's been a while uh, since we last recorded, so I've been in, in taking a lot of media. But the one I want to talk about today is one that I have been, I have watched in the past, but I like dropped it because I wasn't feeling it. So it's, um I, I picked up My Hero Academia again because apparently I stopped watching right before it got super interesting and good. And um, of course it was my bestie and his partner who were pressuring me to get back into it. I, yeah, I can't do anything on my own or of my own free will. They have to tell me what to do. <laughs> I need my recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> How to live my life, everything. Um, but I, I stopped watching it at first because like, I think I was in a particular headspace with like the whole George Floyd thing and like just pr- police brutality and all that. And uh, My Hero Academia is about superheroes and like working with the cops and, you know, good versus evil. So like that whole black and white... Um, dichotomy it's just it's just too i get you get tired i get tired of it honestly and like i just couldn't vibe with the propaganda and the early episodes where there was like that black and white good slash evil villains where it's like i just don't like society and i'm like my brother in christ (laughs) 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 so it's just it gets old um it was like the kind of issues that I have with had with the villains in the Legend of Korra. Yeah, I, I was having my own issues personally with all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. lately. But I, I, I eventually just kind of settled into a headspace where it's just like, we're, 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 what, what, what cop TV is doing is yeah. an idealistic version. Like, like what, what if all of this actually worked? Mm-hmm. You <laughs> have to turn off your brain, and you have to do that whole like suspension of disbelief in order to like actually be like, okay, let me accept that this police world works or whatever, you know, and. And I don't know, I just couldn't get with it. And then same thing with the villains in Korra. It's just like, I understand what you're getting at, but your your reasoning is just not, it's not it. Um, so it's it's definitely picked up since I've gotten back into it. It's um, the kids are absolute angels and the driving force of the anime, like the kids who are trying to be superheroes and whatnot. Um, I'd say give it a try if you're not too jaded with superhero content by this point. But yeah, it's, um, it's okay. You just got to get through uh, the growth and the plot. Yeah, I feel like if I'm ever going to get into My Hero Academia, I need to, like, do it right now because I feel like there's probably already a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the reason why I can't watch One Piece. That's too much. There's there's, like, 800 episodes of that show. There's too much. Yeah, I think My Hero is it has only, like, four or five seasons out at the moment, so it's not too bad. Yeah, it's so like I can get into that and I can get into Demon Slayer. Other yes! Ones I'm, other ones I'm scared. <laughs> I'm frightened. Yeah. <laughs> I still need to finish Demon Slayer, actually. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not caught up either. I, I watched some of season two and then mm-hmm. just kind of fell off. Not because I was, like, not liking it. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was liking this season, I think, more than I liked the first one. Mm. Um, maybe slightly less than Mugen Train because Mugen Train was just amazing. Yeah, Mugen Train, the movie, I did watch that, and wow, I was I'm I still was I'm still messed up from Mugen Train. I can't. <laughs> I haven't recovered boy. from Mugen Train. <laughs> Oh boy. Okay, no, no, no spoilers for Mugen Train. Yeah. Uh, um, so it's funny that you should mention uh, superhero media. Oh yeah. Ago, um, because I'm talking about a Marvel show. Uh, <laughs> cool. Uh, so Tell Marvel, me about it. Marvel's doing a, a new, another new thing now. Um, mm-hmm. TV movies. Well, sort of. Not like feature length TV movies, but mm-hmm. like specials. Okay. Um, they just call them special presentations. Um, <laughs> I like that. This one is for, this one's called Werewolf by Night. It is for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And uh, it focuses on a group of monster hunters, most of whom are unnamed. Okay. Uh, they gather at a mansion for the funeral of their leader, uh, Ulysses Bloodstone. Oh, that's a dope name. 
so cool. Um, it get kind of, it's kind of stupid. He's the holder of a mysterious weapon called the Bloodstone. Uh, okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I see. I see where this where where you got it. Um, and the monster hunters are given a simple mission. A monster, unlike anything they've ever faced, is going to be released on the grounds uh, with a mysterious weapon, the Bloodstone, attached to its back. Um, whoever kills the monster and gets the weapon becomes the leader of the order. Oh, it's one of those. So a lot of them are kind of in a yeah Hunger Games battle royale type deal, trying to get the Bloodstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are two people. Um, there's uh, Ulysses' daughter Elsa, also Bloodstone. Okay, let it um, go, girl. And another mysterious competitor named uh, Jack Russell. Three guesses what he ends up being. Um, <laughs> end up joining forces to some other end. <laughs> A hamster. Now, I don't want to spoil too much of this because half of the fun of it is just this campy 40s universal style with this with this expressionist flair. Because there's a lot that they have lots of fun with shadows in this. There's this there's this really cool like um it's not it's, it's not a hallway fight like in Daredevil, mm-hmm. but it's like there's a, there's a fight inside like a little alcove like just outside of a really big chamber. And yeah, they they play all kinds of games with shadows and oh, stuff. And there's God, like flashing lights, and it's and it's just so cool. Um, it's all presented uh, Sin City style, black and white <gasps> with um, red accents, mostly from the uh, the Bloodstone itself. Like that, like whatever the Bloodstone's power is being used, that flashes red. That's sexy. But everything else is black and white and super expressionist, lots of color, or lots of uh, shadows, I should say. That's my favorite. I love when, um, I like the old school uh, use of shadow play and stuff. It's so cool. Expressionism is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole cast is amazing. It's pretty small, too, actually. Uh, actually, much like the show we're going to be talking about today. Oh. Um, uh, Gael Gar- um, Garcia Bernal and Laura Donnelly are great. Uh, they play Jack Russell and Elsa Bloodstone. Uh, but honestly, it's, uh, there's, there's, there's one particular member of the cast, um, Harriet Sandum Harris, who um, some may recognize as B.B. Uh, Glazer, who is um, on Frasier as his, uh, his like, super shady, unscrupulous agent. That's really cool. Um, she plays uh, Ulysses Bloodstone's widow, and she just she just runs away with it. She's, like, like if you've ever seen her in Frasier, mm-hmm. you know that she's really good at this, like, really, like, over-the-top, extra-dramatic style. Um, she's absolutely perfect for, for something that, because because this is this is going very very distinctly for that you know just just like right the moment when they figured out how to use sound in cinema you know uh, like that like that 30s and 40s monster movie kind of thing yeah it, it, it's all right there back 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 when they were using mostly like like stage actors who like you know play to the back of the room you know who play yeah and 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 she and and, and she has all kinds of fun with it like she plays not to the back of the room but from like 10 miles outside the back wall like she oh just, wow goes for it. There's just this part where they're just where they're where they're just like, none of you deserve the bloodstone. The hunchout is mine. It's just so good. Feral, chaotic. I'm here for it. It's so excellent. Uh, by the way, everybody, I'm sorry about uh, any sniffing you might hear. I'm just coming down from a cold. Um, I'm trying to stifle it, but I should probably just like just um, try to stifle as much as I can. But it might slip through, so I apologize. I also apologize because I had COVID about a month ago, and I still I'm a still I'm still a little phlegmy. Wait, I wasn't informed of this. <laughs> <laughs> no way, I'm good. <laughs> Carrier. No. 
Um, also, just real quick before we move on, um, we are uh, currently in a study room in a public library, and we're sharing a wall with the restrooms, so <laughs> it may not pick up the sounds of the pipes, but apologies if it does. We're just trying to figure out our bearings for now. This sound booth w- was booked up for a while, so yeah, <laughs> this we'll, is the next uh, best thing. We'll get in there eventually, and we'll start, we'll start figuring it out. Maybe eventually we can set up our own. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that'll about do it for that. Just my last thought on it is, um, if you've been looking past this one because you don't know what it means and think the title's kind of dumb, because frankly, Werewolf by Night, that's kind of a dumb title for something because, like, I know, <laughs> like, I, know, I, know, I, know, I know you can be a werewolf during the day, but, like, the core activities of a werewolf are obviously going to happen at no other time but night. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> it's kind of redundant. I don't know, but that's just that's just me. Um, so, I think we should uh, move on real quick then to our, um, our feature presentation, I guess, mm-hmm. for this week. Uh, we're going to be talking about Knight Rider. Uh, we decided you know, this show sometimes gets into, you know, heavier political and social themes. Uh, we decided we've been off for a while, so let's just go with something easy. And I, I, I thought this one sounded easy, and I was just praying the whole time, oh no, please don't, <laughs> please don't actually be about fascism or something. Because <laughs> like, you, you honestly never know, especially with like 1980s entertainment. Oh yeah. You never, you never really know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess we'll find out how this all turned out. Mm-hmm. So uh, a little background on Knight Rider. Um, it is a TV show that aired on NBC from 1982 to 1986. It was created by Glenn A. Larson, and it focuses on Michael Knight, formerly Michael Long, who's played by David Hasselhoff, who was a police officer who was nearly killed by a shot to the head. Um, the wiki says face. Oh. But that sounds kind of... That's less pleasant. Like, 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 I, like, I, don't, like, I, don't, like I don't know if it actually, like... like it, I, I haven't seen the beginning of Knight Rider, everybody. I don't, I don't, oh. yeah, I, I, yeah, this is actually the first Knight Rider I've ever actually seen all the way through. Wait, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, oh, never, my God. Never watched it. So I, so I don't, so apologies to any, like, hardcore Knight Rider fans out there. Sorry, Dad. I don't know if, like, the <laughs> distinction between face and head is important. Like, did he, <laughs> did he actually get, because I, because I, because I assume he got shot in the head and almost died. And, right. like, the bullet was lodged in his skull. But I guess it's possible that maybe, like, the bullet, like, went really deep and, like, grazed his face going, you know, horizontally across. Mm-hmm. And, like, it, mess- it messed him up real bad. But regardless, um, he used to look different, but they gave him surgery to look like David Hasselhoff. <laughs> this is not the real David Hasselhoff, just a lookalike that was reconstructed. <laughs> and uh, the they in question is a billionaire named Wilton Knight, who we uh, do not meet in this episode, oh. um, who is heading up a justice order organization called the Foundation for Law and Government, or FLAG. <laughs> uh, Michael is given Knight's last name and is partnered with a technologically advanced trans-am, super 80s, That's 70s and 80s, very... uh, to travel the country and solve mysteries. I always love shows like that. Just just take somebody, pair them up with something, you know, give them magic powers or pair them up with something cool and just be like, okay, yeah, now go, now go travel through middle America <laughs> and write, and write political wrong, or not, not, uh, social wrongs. Go forth, my my vigilante Just go son. Fight crime. It's great. <laughs> you know, um, after hearing, like I I I looked over the your little synopsis, your your synopsis today, and I was like, I was like, you know, I could totally spin some queer narratives on this stuff right here. <laughs> Michael Knight. Okay, run with me on this one. Follow this with me. First of all, uh, Michael Knight having to go through, like, reconstructive surgery and having to, like, change his identity and all that stuff. Transition, right? Right. Changing your name. Okay. Also, his creator, you know, like, in in some of the culture, you know, you gotta have a trans mom or whatever. I'm gonna say that Wilton Knight is Michael's trans mom. (laughs) And yeah, and obviously the trans am, come on. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just kidding. 
mean, I mean, honestly, like the idea of him being like a him being like a parental figure actually kind of makes sense. Ah. Because I, I I was doing a little bit of background in there, and I don't know if it's a spoiler for later on. I, I don't really think there are spoilers for Knight Rider, really. I, w- I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> but I do know that um, I, I I it escapes me what his name was, but. David Hasselhoff does play uh, Wilton Knight's actual son. So I don't know what happened to the other David Hasselhoff in the Knight Rider universe, but he did actually put, like, his child's face on this stranger. Ooh. So actually um. there is kind of, like, a literal parental dimension to this. It's, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not trying to, like, tie that into hmm. what you said. It just, I, I just I just thought that was kind of a crazy coincidence. No, that is really... That, now that really makes me think. <laughs> I'm do a right. whole podcast on this one. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, sorry to interrupt. I just thought it was funny to point out the trans. Okay, so uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Season 3, Episode 6, Kit versus Car. That's K-A-R-R, in case Car. you didn't catch me. <laughs> <laughs> um, this episode was written by Richard C. Oki, who uh, wrote for a pretty eclectic mix of shows, actually. Um, Pacific Blue, Quantum Leap, uh, a sitcom called Major Dad. I love that. And a Disney XD original movie called Skyrunners. I don't know if I ever watched that one. Yeah, I hadn't even heard of it, honestly. No. <laughs> and uh, this episode was directed by Winry... Um, I'm not sure if it's Win. Winrick or Winrich? Kobe. I would say Winrick. Probably Winrick. Winrick Kobe, um, who directed a lot of Star Trek, including the uh, the series finale of The Next Generation. Don't give me spoilers because I Which, still uh, haven't finished it. It won an award. That's all I know. <gasps> oh my god, I need to finish it. <laughs> Uh, so, getting into this episode's uh, plot. So, we start off with, first of all, a really jarring, like, preview for the episode. I thought it was a recap, actually. I thought, wait, is this all, is this all a part two? Mm-hmm. But it turns out that that, was all, that that was all just, like, a promo. Like, it's supposed to get you all amped for the episode. I, it, I, I don't know why they attached it to the streaming thing. I don't know. I, I was born in 1994, everybody. I don't, I don't really understand same. <laughs> television norms of, of the 1980s. Same. But I, I thought it was kind of neat. It was very vaporwave, very aesthetic. It got it got me excited to watch what I was about to watch because yeah. I, thought, I thought, ooh, we're gonna follow up on all this. But no, I, I I started to recognize all of this all of this was happening within the episode. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. We start off on a young couple. John and Mandy, who are combing the beach with a metal detector. Mm-hmm. Looking fly. Or like a really gross part of the beach, too. Like a place nobody would probably want to hang out. Like it's really, really like lots of sand dunes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess that's where stuff would be buried. True, but... yeah. The, the nasty place of the beach. Uh, so the detector goes wild. And um, after following it a little ways, John finds that the signal is coming from a car that's been buried in the sand. <laughs> I think it's so dumb. He decides to steal it. <laughs> he, <he's>, yeah, <laughs> essentially. Well, that's like his first, first thought. Mandy talks him down, but he He's like, I'm going to take this car. Not like anyone's going to come looking for a car. Especially a really fancy one like this that yeah. I guess just totally is able to retard the the the, um, the 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 scratching of sand. That's what I was thinking. As soon as they got out of the sand, I was like, that thing is too shiny. And the, the, salt, the salty air should have rusted it. It should have been nasty. That car should have been grimy. You know, something I, I kind of buy it because I know that, like, Kit at least is made of... Um, and by the way, we're probably getting ahead of ourselves in case you're not really following along. Um, these cars, like these fancy cars, they're made from some kind of they're they're made from like nearly impervious material, I guess. Oh, never so maybe mind it's, so I guess maybe the sand, the sand worked on that. It still looked it still looked weird. I was because I didn't know that at first. I so didn't I just, I, I just saw that that car is way too shiny to be to have been buried for exactly at least two years. Mm-hmm. My first thought was like y'all should have called the police, like because that could have been a crime scene. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Like 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 yeah, cars don't just end up buried under sand. Like <laughs> no, that. not like, like that. Uh, so John goes and gets his truck 
and uses it to drag this black sports car out of the pile of sand. Uh, he gets about halfway through this before the car activates itself and bursts forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, John and Mandy fancily drive the car into town, lots of, like, drifting and stuff. I don't know if that's the car itself. I think or it was if the it, car. Or if it was John. But, um, but yeah, he was... Um, and while that happens, uh, we catch up with Michael Knight and Kit, Knight Industries 2000. That's that's what, that's what he stands for. It, it took me a second to realize that before I realized 2000, those two those words are... I was thinking about the numbers. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so it kind of, it kind of, it kind of, it kind of, yeah. That's he's, funny. He's Kit. Yeah, it, it, I, I had, like, my, my brain was buffering on that one for a second. I love that. Uh, so Michael and Kit um, pick up a strange signal that they seem to recognize and decide to follow it. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Mandy and John get back into town, and Mandy asks John to turn the car over to the police because that's that should have been their first move. Exactly. Like I just said, you know. Uh, John agrees, but nevertheless takes the car for a spin, uh, during which... CAR, that stands for Night Automated Roving Robot, Cute. reveals itself to be able to speak. Um, he convinces John to hide him somewhere. <laughs> so before we move on, I just want to talk about. I just want to talk about. Um, it, it took me a second to recognize to recognize his voice. Same. But this voice was a gigantic part of my childhood. Mine too. Um, oh my god! Yay! He was voiced by Paul Frees. Um, I can guarantee if you've been to Disneyland, you know this guy's voice because mm-hmm. um, he has like the starring role in the Haunted Mansion. He's the ghost host. Uh, but he also does a lot of voices in Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, he is the guy who's selling women. <laughs> That one scene. Oh, or, well, God. used to. They're, they're, I think. I think they're. I think they're. Um, I can't remember what they're selling now. I, I think they're just uh, selling stolen stuff now. Just like, just like, like art and treasure and stuff. Cool. Um, and actually, Paul Frees is no longer in that scene. That, that that's that's the only thing about that that irritates me. Yeah. But um. Uh. But yeah, he was he was also um, Boris Badenov on Rocky and Bullwinkle, mm-hmm. and uh, he was all over those kind of creepy Rankin Bass Christmas specials. Yeah, like, that makes a sense lot too. Yeah, uh, Mr. Freeze voice um, was like everywhere when I was a kid like my dad likes old cartoons um, I've had for, for a time I had like all the Disney movies that were out at the time like in the early 90s and or mid 90s I would say and and so like my like my through my dad I would like I would hear uh, Paul Freeze's voice a lot it, like if my daddy he's even like um he's even like a hermit crab in the in the incredible Mr. Limpet movie and I'm and that's just so crazy because like nobody has watched I don't know anybody many people who have watched that movie my dad's always quoting it and like just I, I was looking through Paul Frees's uh, filmography and I was like dude the incredible Mr. Limpet are you kidding me I thought that was cool one more thing have um, any like creators parodied car because I feel like I've seen other unhinged manipulative AIs in other media somewhere that give off car vibes it might be I mean I, I kind of I feel like car probably I mean I, I don't have any proof on this but mm-hmm. I, but car car is probably just like a like a, like an evolution of just that bad AI yeah because because okay. because I, I know like um Hal from 2001 is probably like one of the earliest versions of this mm-hmm. but even he was just like he he like short-circuited he was getting he was getting kind of weird they had they had programmed him. They had programmed him wrong, and he had and he had like a different angle on things. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I I, I definitely I there, there there probably were others before Car. Yeah. But um. But yeah, I I, I definitely know what you mean though. Like yeah. The, the, just just manipulative AIs. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm pretty sure I've seen something like it on Rick and Morty and like other cartoons. I'm sure. I have to imagine, especially today, they mm-hmm. probably were thinking about Car. Yeah. Because yeah. 
they're they're all of about that age. Like Justin Roiland, like 100 percent probably was a kid around that time. Okay, cool. Yeah, all right. So you're probably right. Uh, so while John and Carr are joyriding, Michael and Kit catch up to them and confirm that this is in fact Carr, who they ran into before. Mm-hmm. Uh, they try to chase him down, but he escapes by hitting a jump through a bunch of barrels <laughs> in the back of a truck, for which a cop pulls Michael over. I love that sick slow motion shot. <laughs> I, 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 do, I do. I I almost miss on ironic slow mo. Just d- 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 the, the fact that ironic slow mo is getting so annoying because because. Honestly, it starts to irritate me when 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 someone's making fun of slow motion mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah, like, but just just do slow motion. It's fine. Just do it. You don't have to. You don't have to do the joke where somebody's pretending to be in slow motion, but they're not actually. And everyone's like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, just do it. Just 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 go full out. Just commit a hundred percent. I mean, it's cheesy, but <laughs> just do it. I, I feel like three hundred was like the killer of it. Honestly, oh, but um, I also but like for the these slow mo shots in this show, I in this episode, I. I unironically loved it. It took itself so seriously, and it was so comical. Just how serious it was. Um, like on the real, on the real though, I do like the explosions and car destruction. So I, I like a good car explodey, like in a Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's easy to watch. I'll give it that. Yeah. Uh, so Michael calls his boss Devin about the situation before heading out on a search for Car. Devin tells him to be careful and to not engage until they have a chance to put more weapons on Kit. <laughs> um, I love, I love, I love this next scene. First of all, because it plays. Um, um, I'm really a big fan of the Karate Kid franchise, and uh, they play Cruel Summer by Bananarama, which mm. is, like, one of the best 80s songs, I feel. Dude, they were playing bops. Seriously, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I actually, yeah, just a quick shout-out, too, before. Um, I, I, went, I went and looked it up. Uh, the song they were playing when uh, John and Mandy were driving back into town was called Jump For My Love by the Pointer Sisters. Ah, uh, okay. Thank you. But, yeah, I, pretty... I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I, love the, I love the amount of the... Because the, 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 usually when they're like, I'm going to go ask around town... Mm-hmm. Usually they skip over that. They go and show what the bad guy's up to, and then after we see what the bad guy's up to, we cut back and and we find out what the guy who went to go look around town finds out. Yeah. In this one, they play they play Cruel Summer by Hanorama while Michael stumbles around town accosting people on the street. Yeah, I just it's, it was an interesting montage. Uh, it's funny because like the, the the visual and audio language are telling me that this is like a high energy montage, but I'm just like he's just he's just like talking to people and like gesturing with his hands. Like, that's all. <laughs> What's happening? I just found that like like that's something that you only saw in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. There's actually a lot of I, I I find it really funny too that like um in the in like the sixties seventies and eighties um American media especially there's probably probably in like the UK too mm-hmm. uh, they were. Like they seem to be very against like color and sleekness in terms of like high tech stuff. Like everything's got to have like sharp <laughs> edges and like the control panels have to be beige with plain text. I, that's why Max looked like that for so long. I bet. Yeah. It's so. <laughs> this is high tech. It's just so funny to me. <laughs> like, just, I, the, the, there's actually a lot of seven. I mean, Michael's outfit is is incredibly seventies. He's got he's got a he's 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 wearing like like really tight jeans. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, tight. A blue like a blue plaid shirt with like four buttons unbuttoned obviously to show off a lot of his chest his chest hair we should we should say uh leather jacket Mm -hmm. black leather jacket Mm -hmm. even though he is on the coast and later on in the desert i it's it's for the cool guy aesthetic i I, I guess kit's got really good ac um (laughs) you would have to if he was like a smart car um and yeah and he's got that whole fro thing going on like michael looks like he's like 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 if i if i just showed this to somebody blind and said what what decade was this made in I would not blame you for saying 70s. the 70s. There's there's a lot there's 
it was kind of weird to me how late the eighties, the eighties themselves, like the aesthetic that we know of the eighties, how long that took to catch on. Mm-hmm. Like the eighties were basically the seventies for a pretty long time. That's like, interesting. Like it took Stranger Things like two seasons to actually start looking like the eighties. Oh wow! Okay. Because like the first and second season of that show look very seventies. Oh, that's why I really liked the style. <laughs> And then, and then uh, yeah, then season three, obviously, they go to the mall with all the neon colors and stuff. And, and it's beautiful. So while all this is happening, uh, we find out that John has been hiding Carr at the marina where he works inside a little garage. Uh, Carr yeah. starts with a smooth talk, and he tells John that he can make all of his wildest dreams come true if he helps him find the parts he needs to become fully operational. Uh, John turns him down with a cool guy color pop. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too cool for crime. <laughs> it's just like his, like, his, like, really, like, um, like, really faded denim jacket that he's wearing he pops the collar yeah. no, I'm good the, the collar pops coming back it's um the 70s are coming back right now and the early aughts fashion of course I guess that works for me I have a denim jacket and the collar's all fucked up on it so I can't get to fold down anymore so maybe I should just embrace that embrace it just pop it more <laughs> just be like it's a retro look <laughs> I also just find it, like, John's archetype has been used as a joke for so long mm-hmm. that my brain was just totally rejecting the idea of, that, of him actually being a cool guy. I feel like he's supposed to be, like, an unironic, like, not, like, the coolest guy of all time, mm-hmm. but, like, he's supposed to be, like, a fashionable, young 80s guy. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was just, I was just, like, dude, with the crop top and the cut-off shirts and... God, okay. And the, and the, and the faded denim jacket, I'm just... But I'm, the crop top? I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the fashion goes a little they, they have some fun with the fashion the it goes hard I love these some men in crop tops and short shorts when he was okay so when he was bending like when he was like squatting like on the on car when he first found him I was like those shorts are too short you can see a little too much of what's down there <laughs> But yeah, the fashion was wild. But it is crazy. Yeah, but I was I was thinking the same thing. I was like, this guy's lame. But no, exactly. Like I'm, you're usually supposed to think, oh yeah, this guy's lame, and Carr is probably gonna kill him pretty soon. Yeah. But no, but no, he, he he's, he's around for a while. He's mm-hmm. a cool protagonist, I guess. Yeah, I liked it. So on the way out of the marina, uh, John's boss Eddie talks to him about his recent visit to the doctor. Uh, while this conversation takes place, Carr watches from inside and discovers through a body scan that Eddie has a pacemaker. <laughs> Eddie just says it so nicely. Hmm. A pacemaker. I know. I was like, <laughs> what are you going to do with that? <laughs> yeah, we probably, we, we find out, by the way, everybody, that not Kit. Carr has, I think, well, Kit probably does too. They, I think Devin later on says that Kit and Carr have, I have like identical setups. Yeah, because wasn't Carr the prototype? I think so, but it, it turned evil. Yeah, of course. Prototypes always go evil. That's the rule. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, we, we find out that Car is able to is able to like hack things wirelessly. Yeah. So yeah. I guess you can do that with any piece of technology. God, I wish that were me. Uh, so John goes to see Mandy at the store that she works in. Um, he sneaks into the back door to find her already being questioned by Michael. Uh, they have a quick conversation about the fact that he didn't return the car like he promised, but they're <laughs> interrupted by a phone call. Apparently, Eddie had a heart attack. Oops. I just want to say real quick, too, I, li- I really like um, Hasselhoff's performance in this show. Um, it would have been really easy to paint him as, like, this, you know, tough, unflappable action hero guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like how nervous and desperate he seems, especially in this episode. Like, I don't know if he's like that in all the episodes, but he's very, like, man on the edge. He's really just, like, it's a different kind of action hero that, 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 that you see. He's just trying to, t- he's just trying to, t- just, just trying to, pl- please, you can, you can reach me at this number if you remember anything, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm thinking? You know how you're, like, it's, he's not, like, a 
he's not he doesn't come off as like a usual cop what if that has something to do with like a the bullet to the head like could be. you know how there's like it's in some hist- historical medical cases somebody gets a rod through the brain and they are suddenly a different person or their personality has shifted maybe we can it's make possible. that head I'm, canon I'm really curious to watch more of Night Rider see if maybe they get into that I would like to know more yeah oh also I really like the dynamic between Kit and Michael they seem like really good friends and partners I definitely yeah well, William Daniels has a really good performance mm-hmm. as, as Kit absolutely um, so uh, Michael and Kit return to the uh, to the flag mobile unit is the semi truck that has more <laughs> space inside than outside whoa um, where Kit's engineer Bonnie wants to have him outfitted with a laser I love because that. it's the 80s and that's the coolest thing you can put on anything is a laser yeah I don't, really, de- I, I don't really deny it though because when the laser comes into play later it's pretty cool it is pretty cool I like that scene uh, Michael is unconvinced by this plan partially because the la- because they apparently tried the laser before and it failed the last time they dealt with Carr mm-hmm. and partially because it would take too long to bring Kit in to be outfitted with the laser because they want to bring him all the way back to the foundation and you know God oh. knows where we're on the coast somewhere so probably going to be a little bit of a trip we don't have time um, so he agrees to have them go back to the foundation to build the laser um, remotely and then have them install it on the road while Michael and Kit stay behind to keep tabs on Carr and make sure he's not doing anything they didn't want to leave town mm-hmm. uh, so as Michael and Kit get back on the road John visits Eddie at the hospital um, he thinks he may be dying and offers to sell the marina to him for $5,000 money that John does not have he makes $4 an hour fixing boats as Carr I would die I would that let made, myself that, die. that made me sick I make fourteen fifty an hour right now like and that's bad enough like yeah it uh... To get by in Southern California, you have to make it about 20-something an hour to even... Basic level, yeah. Yeah. Don't move to California, guys. (laughs) It's too expensive. Please stay out. Uh, so Carr catches up with John in the parking lot and finally convinces him to help. I love, the, I love, the, I love the image of John walking down the walking down the dark parking lot and like and like Carr is Carr's following him like some creepy kidnapper it's guy, so but scary. there's no driver. He's just like just like just like drifting next to him, just 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 slowly coasting. It's so cool. Ghost ride the whip. <laughs> so Carr catches up with John in the parking lot and finally convinces him to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael and Kit are patrolling town, and Devin lets him know that Bonnie fast-tracked the laser, and they're heading back with the final product. All that throwaway line, just just, just to explain. Oh, uh, we just we just we we put all the scientists on it, every uh. last one of them, because because that's how because we all know that's how it works. Creative and and and, <laughs> and technological projects, um, you just need more people working on it, and that makes it better and faster. And it's done in no time. <laughs> Uh, but unfortunately for them, though, Carr and John are right behind them. Uh, they, uh, the, um, Carr and John storm the mobile unit and force Bonnie to install the laser on Carr instead. Mm. They take off before Michael and Kit can get back. I love that. I love that. Ah, a laser. No <laughs> doubt meant for me. <laughs> I love Paul Freeze's voice. Uh, so the next day, uh, John and Kit rob an ATM machine right in front of a very confused old woman. Poor thing. <laughs> Poor no idea thing. What's going on. Uh, John gives her some money though out of the money that he stole. Yeah, but that, that's that's how you know he hasn't gone evil or anything. Like he's the decent human being. That's what I was gonna say. He's like he just kind of got his head turned around. Yeah, I thought it was really sweet that John gave some money to the old lady because like you know writers just had to put that in there to show the to show the audience you know he's not a bad guy he's just in a bad situation so we'll feel conflicted for him later. 
Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Which I, I honestly don't mind that too much, because John doesn't really do anything himself all that bad. And when no. things get too... I mean, he, he aligns himself with somebody he definitely shouldn't have aligned himself with. I mean, mm-hmm. Paul, Paul Freeze is doing... <laughs> he's doing he's doing his Haunted Mansion voice the entire time. I that's, love that. It's, he's like, 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 just without a doubt, that's his Haunted Mansion voice. Aw. Um, yeah, it's, it's on you to trust in him. <laughs> a little <laughs> you should bit. never trust Michael returns to town to speak with Mandy again. She's resistant at first, but after Michael presses the fact that John is in incredible danger, uh, she reluctantly tells him where he works at the marina. Mm. Um, I, I think that, that uh, honestly, I kind of feel like she should have known that he wasn't a cop just because his, his, his vibe is all off. Because, mm-hmm. you know, especially on TV... Cops always have this like kind of a, kind of a kind of a um, an arrogant kind of way about them, where mm-hmm. they're just like where they're just like, well, I can make your life difficult if you don't give if you don't tell me what I want to hear. Yeah, you know, uh, Michael is carrying himself with the distinct desperation of someone who really needs information, but also knows that he's not necessarily entitled to it. He's just really just, please, I I really need this information. Your 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 boyfriend is in very serious danger. You mm-hmm. know, he even thanks her on his way out. Yeah, and grabs by the shoulders. Thank you. <laughs> Which is something. Yeah, you never see Batman doing that. It's true. He's just gone. He just goes. Yep. Might punch him again. <laughs> how edgy this version of Batman is. Yeah. Um, so Eddie is apparently feeling much better now after about a day following, you know, a, a subsequent heart attack. Second, third, fourth, at least. Imagine. Jeez. Like, like, he, like, like. I, I really feel like after you have a heart attack, you're in the hospital for a little bit longer than that. Especially, right. especially if you already had to have a pacemaker put in. Exactly. Like, oh, no. He was he was on his feet pretty fast, and uh, Devin didn't explain that one to us. No. <laughs> Uh, John arrives to present him with the pretty transparently stolen $5,000. It's in a, a brown bag. Apparently, though, uh, Eddie's been into some shit, and uh, he's cool with it. Yeah. He's actually a little curious as to how he came into this quick money. Uh, so John shows him car, and the three begin to hatch a plan to take a really big score by stealing gold from an armored truck. Carr is uninterested before Eddie reminds him that money equals the ability to do bad guy stuff. Yeah. Um, John, though, decides this is way too much, and he has had enough and decides to leave. Carr doesn't really mind. He's got another pilot now, so exactly. he's, he's, he's good. He yeah. just needs a, a, a partner in crime. Exactly. So meanwhile, Michael is driving to the marina. On the way, he calls Bonnie and brings up an old project for Kit, um, high tensile reflector shields. So sci-fi, I love it. Yeah, dude, sci-fi is great. Um, upon arriving at the marina, Michael decides to leave Kit at a distance to try to fool Carr's sensors. This immediately fails. <laughs> there was there was absolutely no merit to that idea. Yeah. <laughs> Carr attempts to run Michael down. Uh, Kit saves him at the last second, and the two cars face off. Carr tries to use his laser, but it fails, and he escapes. It's so high stakes. It's so fun. Uh, once Carr is gone, Michael goes to interrogate Eddie in a much more cop-like fashion. Just pushes him up against the wall, and... Now kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Eddie, though, is your textbook bad guy weasel, mm-hmm. and he just spills all the information wow. immediately Snitches with very, very little prompting. Wow. Little weasel. Mandy, meanwhile, is back at the store. Uh, she gets a call from John asking her to meet him at the pier in five minutes. Uh, there she finds Carr. She assumes that John's still in Carr, um, who then reveals that he mimicked John's voice to draw her there. Which he is scary. That's it's really scary. scary. Uh, John gets back to their, I think, I guess their apartment. I'm not quite sure where they were at that point, but gets home. 
and uh, Carr pulls the same trick on him. Uh, Carr has Mandy trapped inside, and first he lowers the oxygen levels, uh, but I guess decides that that would be, that blowing somebody up in a vacuum would be too messy. Yeah, that's kind of gross. Doesn't, doesn't want guts all over his interior, so he decides <laughs> to uh, to basically, basically kind of burn her out. He starts turning up his heat really, really high mm-hmm. um, in an attempt to force John to come inside. Yeah. Uh, dude, after the, after they, after... Uh, car stops torturing her she actually looks like she was going through it like her eyes are all watery and red oh my god yeah i'm like damn what'd they do to you to get you into that spot yeah, right. great acting uh so Devin wants to take some time to figure out a plan but michael insists that there's no time because there isn't they're yeah gonna, they're gonna go rob that truck real soon <laughs> like right uh, bonnie installs the reflectors on kit and the two head off to the rescue uh, we return to car in the desert and it turns out his plan at least as we know it now is simply to drive himself through the support beams on the old bridge that the truck is driving toward yeah uh, right at the perfect moment i guess <laughs> to, to 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 kind of isolate that spot of road that was insane i i i love i love all the props that they had to do for that too yeah right so this turns out to be a ruse nobody was fooled by it michael michael and kit immediately are like this is probably a trap right yeah yeah this is a trap <laughs> and he but they figure well I guess we're just going to have to... That's something I like about the show, too, is that, like, yeah, they're, they're not, like, Michael and Kit aren't really, like, expert strategizers. They no. just They just kind of they just kind of figure, okay, well, this is definitely, like, they're smart enough to know this is a trap, <laughs> but also, shit, we really don't have a choice, do we? I mean, there's going to be, like, at least four people who die mm-hmm. if we don't get out there right now. Yeah, they kind of just wing it, which is cool. And it, it seems to, it seems to work. Yeah, they have, they have, like, the basic scraps of the plan, so, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, I, I, I just like how they're just like, like, you know, we got to get this done. So let's Just go. do it. Just do something. Um, so, yeah, um, <clears throat> this turns out to be a ruse to draw out Michael and Kit. Uh, Michael talks to Carr over the PA system and makes the fight personal. Uh, <laughs> Carr lets John and Mandy out. The two of them run for it. They're, they're just out. Smart. Uh, so now, yeah, now we have a car fight. Michael and Kit are playing defense. You know, they're just kind of dodging, dodging the laser shots coming from coming from Carr. This, mm-hmm. is, this is a very video game, actually. It is. It was really fun um, to watch. And um, but eventually uh, Carr forces them to come out into the open by firing his laser at the final support beam Mm -hmm. Um, and they need to get over to try to save the 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 two guys in the armored truck and he does manage to squeeze off one hit uh kit says i cannot i cannot take another hit like that like that that will that will finish me off it was actually quite a tense situation yeah so michael decides um it's now or never so he drives past car and at just the right moment and and right angle (laughs) he uh pulls up the pulls up the driver's side window and reflects the shield (laughs) which is which goes which sends the laser shot directly back at the cannon and fries it out it's so funny Uh, Kit and Carr drive at each other head on oh, because uh, that that just just um, just just uh, Michael throws that out there. He's falling over from the front. <laughs> oh my god, He's, um, it was weird. Go on. Yeah, and so and so they they both hit an identical jump, and uh, yeah, just kind of anime style. Kit <laughs> just drives directly through Carr, who just um, explodes into a firewall. <laughs> And Kit gets out of it just fine. But can we talk about the moment where we see Kit obviously not survive that collision and see the car just like fly off screen one frame before it cuts to Kit making his cool guy smooth landing? It's just so funny to me. The, yeah, I, I wasn't wearing my glasses, so I kind of missed that. Um, <laughs> I, I But yeah, I definitely, um, <laughs> I, 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 I can see now why there aren't that many like actors in this show because I, I figure most of the money had to go into the stunts. stunt cars yeah, yeah like like they had to like they, they had to they had to they had to get a hold of cars mm-hmm. in order to just totally destroy them yeah um the car 
K A R R car in this episode was used uh, was made up of like an old uh, earlier season kit from season one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So you know they were pretty. Uh, they were they were breaking the budget with the cars. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's why there's only like four main characters in this in this sum in this in this episode. Exactly. Um, which I don't mind actually. I don't mind having there being too many too many plot lines and too many characters. I like a small cast because like, I kind of feel like if they remade Knight Rider now, like Devin and Bonnie wouldn't be enough in terms of like recurring support cast they mm. would need to have a whole team you know you need to have the funny tech guy you need yeah. to have you know there probably there probably need to be some tension between bonnie and michael you know and oh you know i i, I i'm just writing i'm just writing in my head in the writing room up it's in there free money <laughs> it's, it's free real CG, estate especially like cgi now i mean true yeah, make a new night rider Anyway, uh, Michael asks if Kit is all right uh, to no response. He's very worried that Kit might be dead. Kit, though, relents and says, um, uh, if I say I'm all right, do you promise to never make me do that again? And um, with, with, a, with, a, with a big toothy grin, Michael's like, never say never, partner. It's never so say cute. never. It's so cute. I love their friendship. Freeze frame. <laughs> Freeze frame. Let me go to, let me go to, let me go, I guess, do another commercial break. And then we come back for the epilogue. Mm. Uh, soon after all that happens, uh, Michael and John are traveling together in Kit. As it turns out, John, who's not a bad guy, uh, returned the money that Carr hacked out of the ATM machine. But it just so happens that the reward for information on Carr was just about the same amount. And uh, Mandy invested the money into buying John the marina. Isn't that nice? Uh, Devin isn't the happiest about the loss of the reward money, but you had billionaire money behind you. Be quiet, Yeah, Devin. whatever. Shut up. <laughs> that guy needed that money. Yeah. Um, but Michael is sure he did the right thing, and I agree with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we close, though, we cut away and we see the wreckage of Carr's body still scattered on the desert ground, and one of the components is still blinking. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. I love that that's a thing that so many uh, creators do in their shows when there's, like, a, an antagonist and they're just like, but he's not gone yet. You thought he was, it was over. Yeah. I looked yeah. into it, though. We do not see... Oh. In, in this iteration of Knight Rider, we do not see... We do not see uh, Car again. That's boring. What the heck? Follow up. <laughs> <laughs> so, that does it for Kit versus Car. Mm-hmm. That wild ride. Um, <laughs> I guess now we just have to ask our usual question. Uh, does it hold up? What did you feel about that, Leo? So I did have a lot of fun watching this episode. The intro got a giggle out of me. Um, I loved the synth wave, the 80s aesthetics, the bops, and the vibes. Stunts, hilariously entertaining. Uh, I can see why this show had an influence on other shows um, after it. And, of course, all the parodies and all that. And like I mentioned uh, at the top, my dad loves Knight Rider. Like he would, I'd just be this little kid being like, I don't know what you're talking about dad and he just makes references to Knight Rider. Um, another thing, I have a thing for robots and AI, so I need to talk about Kit. That little guy is so sassy and cool. I love AI with personality. Yeah, I, I definitely, um, I, I, I feel kind of bad that, I, that, like, in my recap, Kit didn't come up very much, because he actually is a surprisingly small part of the cast. I mean, he is, oh. he's like, he, I mean, I mean, he is the, he is the car that Michael drives, but yeah, he, he, like, I, I think I can count on one hand, like, the amount of time, the amount of lines he has in the episode. I mean, he feels like a, he feels like a more major part of it would you say that he's just the vehicle for the plot <sighs> oh my god i mean that's true you got me there <laughs> the driving the, the driving force oh my god <laughs> 
But yeah, it, it seems kind of crazy to me. You'd think you'd think the the talking car would be the star of the show, but yeah, he's yeah. actually um, he's actually in it surprisingly little. But he is great. It's I mean, it is called Night Rider. I suppose it'd be about the one riding the car or whatever. But I really want more Kit. Yeah, yeah. I think if I if I if I remade the show, I'd probably have a little bit more of a presence on Kit. Let's give Kit a romance subplot. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the episode was fun, very entertaining. Uh, as you said, there weren't an, any heavy political, heavy or political themes. Uh, just car fights and stunts and a rad time. It was surprising. It was it was surprisingly like just goofy and a little bit wholesome. You know, I there liked wasn't it. really a lot of messy stuff in there. Yeah, and um, does it hold up? I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> The stunts and the adventure of the week stuff are kind of old these days, yeah, but uh, Knight Rider is a fun little throwback to put on if you're in the mood for some vibes and cool car chases. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, holding up, I would say, is probably not the term, that not a term that fits this like a glove. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it honestly doesn't even strike me as particularly with the times, even for when it came out, which is in 1984. <laughs> yeah. um, there's a little bit too much 70s in it, especially, as we mentioned earlier, in Hasselhoff style. Right. But uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's old school in a really good way. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't too much of an overarching story to bog things down, and the cast is really small, so there's not too many people or events to keep track of. You know, as I wrote this the synopsis for this episode out, yeah. I had an easier time than I usually do sometimes with, with, with some of these shows. Uh, even if you haven't seen the previous episode with Carr, which was uh, season one, episode nine, Trust Doesn't Rust, <laughs> uh, you already know what you need to know about this whole setup. Um, it is a fantastic Adventure of the Week stuff, which is a format I really miss but um, a lot of people don't really have much patience for it in a post-Netflix world. I mean, I, I mean, I as a understand. kid, I always wanted to see more serialized stuff. But honestly, I do kind of miss the, these shows where it was just um, you take a you get a star, mm-hmm. you give them some kind of some kind of element, whether that's just like um, a perfect team dynamic, like in the A Team, mm-hmm. um, amazing improvisational skills, like in MacGyver, mm. or you know, a talking car in this one, right. or just martial arts ability, like in Kung Fu. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, you just, just, just have, just have them go and just have them go and, and solve mysteries. Yeah. I, 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 I miss that. I wish there were more shows like that. You know, now, now there's gotta be this big extensive cast and an overarching story. Even some of the ones that do that a little bit more, um, elegantly than others. Like I think Psych is a really good example of a show. It's adventure of the week, but with enough overarching stuff to keep you coming back because it's kind of like a sitcom okay. a little bit. The, 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 the whole, the, the, de- the, the character dynamics and stuff are like a sitcom, but every episode is a mystery that they, a murder they have to solve. That's true. I do like a mix of adventure of the week with overarching arcs in throughout the throughout the whole thing. And there's even ones too like uh, Burn Notice is another great one like that mm-hmm. because Burn Notice is very much adventure of the week but they bookend the episode with um, overarching plot. So the beginning Ooh. and the end, of, like the, the prologue and the epilogue of each episode will drive the plot forward, but mostly it's just like, okay, yeah, Michael is going to is going to play a Jersey douchebag guy <laughs> to infiltrate a crime ring. That's most, that's most episodes of Burn Notice, everybody. It's great. Oh. But... <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very funny show, though. By the way, but, uh, <laughs> um, you, 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 you uh, it, it seems like it takes itself super seriously. Burn notice, but it's actually, it's actually really funny. And Bruce Campbell is one of the main characters on that show. Oh, right, I forgot about that. And all three of them were actually pretty hilarious. <laughs> uh, I, I actually have an episode of Burn Notice in mind um, for the fu- for a future episode of the show. So I'm excited. We'll, we'll talk about that one day. I, I really do love that show. Uh, so yeah, I guess we both agree that in a way it holds up. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I, I really love like this. This is 
my first Knight Rider episode I've ever seen all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I do love the format of the show. Like I said, Eighteen and MacGyver. You know, those were those were shows that I that I that I loved watching as a kid. The Incredible mm-hmm. Hulk. I watched a lot of the Incredible Hulk. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, there's not there's not um, that's so much of that these days. And I wish there was more. It's probably why I fell so hard for um, the Disney Plus uh, sequel series to Turner and Hooch. Oh right, <laughs> because that one was that one was uh, it was actually from the creator of Burn Notice, and it was um, and yeah, it, it was it was like a really good adventure of the week show. Like you know, it's again Josh Peck and his and his and his French Mastiff are just gonna oh. go solve crimes. It's great. It's perfect. It sounds perfect. And it got canceled, and I'm bummed out. I'm so sorry. But, I am um, so sorry. But yeah, I believe that will do it for this episode of Your Run Shuffle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. As we said before, um, we know it's a crowded marketplace, and we're very grateful that you found us. Thank you. Uh, so please uh, leave us a review wherever you found us and tell a friend. Uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram for the moment. I might add more once I come up with more ideas for okay. promos and stuff. Uh, but you can find us at Rerun Shuffle. And uh, where can people find you personally, Leo, if they're looking for you? Y'all can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Chupa Cabral with a underscore after that, all lowercase. Um, yeah, I don't have any other social media than that. So find me there. What about you, Tim? And uh, you can find me also on Twitter and Instagram at Nacy Tim, that is spelled N-A-C-E-Y. Um, I think that is about the time we have. We actually were over eight minutes over our time slot at the library. It's fine. It's uh, they fine. haven't sent any jackbooted thugs to throw us out yet. <laughs> so, uh, so thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.